We've been in a series this month simply calling it Christmas Is. We talked about Christmas is light, Christmas is peace. Today, I'm going to move in a little different direction. I'm going to talk about Christmas is expectation. Expectation. And of course, with the Christmas season, especially with the kiddos, with family plans, you're getting together with friends, you've got things going on at work revolving around Christmas, there's all this expectation. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. The kids are already talking about what they want for Christmas, and they're expecting to receive some of those gifts that they want. This is a season where we have a lot of expectations going on around us. But I also recognize that Christmas time can be a challenging time for people, depending on what's going on in your life, what you're dealing with right now. And I want to ask you a simple question today. What are your expectations in this season of life, in the days, weeks, months to come? What are you expecting? And maybe I can say it this way. How are you expecting God to be actively involved in your life? You know, through the years, one of the important lessons I've learned in ministry is the depth of my relationship with God is determined by my heart. What I'm expecting of God, what I'm believing God for. Without faith, Scripture tells us, it's impossible to please God. With my heart, I believe With my heart, I can disbelieve. I can live with expectations of God's promises, or I can live with no expectations at all. And I'm going to tell you something. If you live with no expectations, you will never be disappointed. But not only that, if you live with no expectations of God, it requires no faith. The purpose of this message today is hopefully... To open our hearts to God's intentions for our lives. And I'm going to share three simple thoughts with you today. And I'm going to pull them out of some different parts of the Christmas story. That I hope will encourage you to open your heart. Expand your expectations. And let God get involved in whatever is going on in your life. So number one. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter one. A little bit later we'll read at the end from Matthew. But most of the message today comes from Luke chapter 1. The first thing I want to talk to you about is we need to expect God's purpose or God's purposes to show up in our lives. We need to expect God's purposes to show up in our lives. I want to set this passage of scripture up for you in Luke chapter 1. As Luke begins to unfold and tell the Christmas story, he first talks about a man whose name was Zacharias. He was a priest from the Old Testament order in Israel. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. They were up in years. They were getting older. He was probably a little older than his wife. He described himself as an old man, and he referred to her as in the aging process. How many of you men have learned that when you talk about your wife, you want to make sure that you paint her a little bit younger than you are? That's kind of how that works. He did that, and I'll show it to you in a moment. But Zacharias one day was doing his priestly duties. He was alone in the temple at the hour of prayer, and people were outside praying. 
And suddenly an angel showed up whose name was Gabriel. And when an angel shows up unexpectedly, it grabs your attention really quickly. Scripture says that usually when an angel showed up, people were immediately afraid and it shook Zacharias up to suddenly come face to face with this angel, Gabriel. But let's pick up the story. Luke chapter 1, verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. How many of you are glad that God hears our prayers? Aren't you thankful for that? Zacharias, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. The John we're referring to here is the man who would become known as John the Baptist. To this priest, this angel shows up and says, God's been hearing your prayers. God is now answering your prayers. Even though you are older and up in years, God is answering your prayers. The next two or three verses, verses 14 to 17, Gabriel gives some prophecies about John the Baptist and what he would do. But then he also gives some instructions on how he was to be raised. But let's pick up the story in verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. You see, in essence, what Zacharias said to the angel was, How do I know you're telling the truth? How do I know you're God's messenger? How do I know this is all real? He questioned, he doubted that this message had come to him. Even though they'd been praying for a child, the angel shows up and said, you're going to have a son. And he's like, I just don't think I can believe this. Can you prove to me that this is real? My wife and I are old. We're up in years. We've never been able to have a child. Why should I believe this is going to happen now you know god sent a messenger responding in answer to zacharias prayers but yet zacharias doubted the messenger and the message which which brings me to a question this morning i want to ask you ask yourself if god sent a messenger to me today how would i respond if an angel showed up in your home this evening and you were alone in your room, how would you respond? You see, God is a God of purpose, not accidents. God has plans and intentions. God works in and through people, people like you, people like me, people like us. God loves to get involved in our lives and include us in his purposes. And God's purposes for our lives are greater than our own plans. That's why I continually say here at the Bridge Church, the plans God has for you are better than the plans you have for yourself. God has great plans and purposes for all of our lives. And you know, I've found through the years, there is nothing more exciting, nothing more fulfilling than living the life of faith and purpose. Seeing God continually involved in your life, touching the lives of others. But one of the things that we need to understand is that the desires of our hearts 
are often tied to the desires in God's heart. Psalms 37 tells us that if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our hearts. That word delight means to be pliable. It means to put your life, your dreams, your desires, your heart, everything in God's hand and let him massage it and work it and shape it and put his desires there. And I think sometimes we pray prayers and we ask God for things and God says, okay, I'm going to get to that in my time. I'm going to tie it to my purposes. But oftentimes, just like Zacharias, we fail to understand that God has a timing for everything, even answering our prayers. God has a timing. He has a moment, if you will. Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed for a child. God was looking for a family of faith where he could place a child of purpose. But evidently, Zacharias didn't understand God's timing and God's purpose. And I think a lot of times we miss moments of purpose because we're not expecting God to use us. We're not expecting to be vessels of God's love and God's power. We need to open our hearts to what God wants to do, not only for us, but in us and through us. And I found through the years that God's delays are oftentimes tied to his purposes. So I want to encourage you today. If you've been praying for something, don't give up. Don't say, well, it's all, it's just not God's will. It's not going to happen. It's no good. I give up. Jesus said, we're to ask, seek, and knock. And in the original writings, what he literally says is, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. Why? Because God has a time when he will answer our prayers. And it'll probably, it'll probably be tied to his purposes, something a whole lot bigger than us. So Zacharias just kind of, Looks at Gabriel and says, well, well, how do I know I can believe you? How do I know you're telling the truth? Give me a sign, if you will. Gabriel says, okay, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. From this moment forward, for the next nine months, you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak a word. Not a sound is going to come out of your mouth. If you want to communicate, you're going to have to learn sign language. You're going to have to learn to write on a tablet and show people what you're thinking. Because I am going to shut your mouth of doubt until this baby's here. And then we can get on with the purposes of God. How many think it'd be a good thing to believe God rather than doubt God? So... What a fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> this encounter with the angel is over. Six months or so passed, about six months. And suddenly this same angel, Gabriel, shows up to have a conversation with a young lady named Mary, who would become the mother of Jesus. Now, there's an interesting tie here. Remember Gabriel and Elizabeth... Elizabeth's up in years, but she has a cousin, and it's this same Mary, who's just probably a teenage girl at this time, and she's about to be married. But this angel Gabriel shows up six months later and brings a message to Mary. And when Mary suddenly looks up and this angel's there in her home, she's startled as well. What, what is this all about? And he begins to greet her, and she's wondering, what's going on here? Let's pick up the story, verse 29 of chapter 1 says that when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying 
And consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So Mary's getting this news. I'm about to have a baby boy. He's the son of God, and I'm going to have to call him Jesus. Look at Mary's response, verse number 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? See, unlike Gabriel, she didn't say, I don't believe you. How do I know you're telling the truth? Mary said, okay, but how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. I can't have a baby. There's no way. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. How is this going to happen? In the next few verses, Gabriel explains to her how that's going to happen. And I'll get to it in a few moments. But skip down to verse 38. So Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If God unexpectedly shows up and announces some amazing plans that he has for your life, how will you respond? Like Zacharias? I can't believe that. Or Mary? I don't understand how it's going to happen, but let it be just as God says. How do you respond? You see, the condition of our heart opens the door to God working or closes the door to God working. It's one thing to say, uh, to, to close my heart and say, I can't believe this. It's another thing to say, okay, how can this happen? Two different things, two different responses. So I want to ask you, do I live with the expectation that God might call me and use me? Or do I close my heart and live with no expectations at all? When I was 19 years old, God sent a messenger to me. It wasn't an angel. Very, very different. It was a pastor. I was actually out playing golf, 19 years of age, with a friend of mine who was roughly my age, and then two pastors. One of the pastors was from my home church. The other was from a church there in town, a different church. And this pastor is a, was a big guy. He's like 6'3", big, huge hands, big arms, legs. He was just a big man. He could hit a golf ball a mile. So we're out on the golf course one day, and... You know, I've been very open about this. God has given me the gift of sarcasm. And I have the ability to be a smart aleck. And so my friend is getting ready to hit the golf ball. This pastor's up there. Got the ball teed up. Got his driver out. He's about to hit. And just as he starts to swing, I came off with a smart aleck remark at him. And he stopped mid-swing. And back up and his eyes welled up. And he looked at me and he said, Gary Martin... You are so ornery, I believe God's going to call you to preach. <laughs> what he didn't know was for months, God had been stirring my heart. And I didn't come from a pastor's home. My dad was a mechanic. He owned a gas station. And for months, I'd been saying, God, I hear you calling. I know you've got more for me. I'd been involved in ministry, but it was a different area of ministry. 
And God was saying, I, I want to use you. I want you to preach the gospel. I've got work for you to do. And so I'm asking, how can this happen? How can this be? I don't have the training. I don't know where to go, how to go. How is this going to happen? And that day on the golf course, when he looked at me and pointed his finger and said, God's going to call you to preach. For him, it may have been a light moment, but for me, it was a heavy moment because it was as if God said, okay, I sent a man of God to tell you it's time to get ready for what's next. You see, if we will open our hearts, God will lead us into a life of purpose. Now, you may think, well, you know... My age is different. My situation's different. My, my world is different. I can, I can, I can, I can. Let me tell you something. Everybody is a candidate to be used for God's purposes. We've got an amazing family in our church. Husband, wife, a couple of great kids. Been in our church for several years now. They're both involved in ministry, the husband, the wife. The kids are involved in ministry. I mean, they're just an amazing family. But years ago, they came to our church first time because a babysitter invited them to come to church. They were not in church. They were not serving God. We've watched God turn their marriage around, turn their family around. God's done amazing things because a teenage girl invited people to come to church. It was a moment of purpose. And you know, when you think about creation... We read in the Bible that God created everything and everything he created had a purpose. A sun, moon, stars. He separated the waters from the land. He put everything in order. He put fish in the sea, birds in the air, created animals. He created everything with a purpose. And you will never convince me that when God created his masterpiece, something made in his own likeness and image, you and me, you'll never convince me that God created any of us without purpose. God created us for a purpose. And if you want to know what your purpose in life is, you got to go to the creator and find out why he created you. Open your heart and let him work in your life. It's his will. It's his desire. We're created to live God's plans. So... Mary just said, I'm in. I'm in. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm in. It makes no sense in my natural mind, but I'm in. And I tell you today, open your heart. Expect God's unique purposes to show up in your life. Then number two, the second thing, we're going to pick up at verse 35. Number two, expect God's possibilities to show up in your life. Expect his purpose, but then expect God's possibilities. You say, what do you mean? Let's look at the verses. Verse 35. When Mary asked, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. How can I have a child? Verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now look at verse 36. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. In verse 37 those famous words. Gabriel said for with God nothing will be impossible. God knows nothing but possibilities. <clears throat> Sometimes we have impossibilities. 
I don't think impossible is in God's vocabulary. In God's vocabulary, the word is possible. Sin and failure on our behalf invented the word impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That was the explanation. And that's when Mary said, okay, I'm in. Now that you've told me, I don't understand it, but I'm in. I'm going to trust God's power to bring possibilities where things seem to be impossible. I want to ask you today, has God ever dropped something in your heart and you immediately asked, well, how can that be? How can that happen? I, I don't see how that can happen. How, how is that going to be? When we open our hearts to God's purposes, God's power begins to work in our impossibilities. Let me say that again. When I open my heart to God's purposes, God's power begins to work in our impossibilities. See, the angel said, the spirit of God's gonna come upon you and the power of God is gonna come and get involved and God's gonna change everything because nothing is impossible when God gets involved. There's some of you sitting in this building today watching online and you're thinking, man, you don't know my situation. I've got so many impossibilities. There is no way out. That's not true. God gets involved in your situation and everything changes because it may be impossible for you, but nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And you know, when God's spirit begins to work, there are no impossibilities. What is, get this, what is impossible to us is perfectly practical and normal for God. Because he's not bound in the realm that you and I live in. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He knows no impossibilities. So it's perfectly natural and practical for God to do amazing things. And I think sometimes, just, just to, as a word of encouragement, you go back at creation. And it says, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. What it literally says is it was just chaos. But the Spirit of God began to brood over the face of the waters. And then God spoke and said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. And God spoke and it was created. And God spoke and it was created. God gave the word and things are created. And what, what Gabriel said to Mary was when that same Spirit of God begins to hover over you and your life and your, your world, when God speaks, things begin to happen. God begins to create. Don't be afraid of the Spirit of God getting involved in your life and bringing His power into your life. He created you to receive that power and see Him do miraculous things for you. Now, I want to show you one more thing. Skip down to verse 39. So Mary got this news, and we, you know, let's set aside the Joseph thing. Let's just leave that alone for today. But Mary gets this news, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be given birth to the Son of God, and it's the Spirit of God that's going to do this. So immediately, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. It's quite a distance away. We don't know how close they were, but the age difference would suggest that they probably weren't extremely close. But she goes to visit Elizabeth because of the message she got from the angel. Pick it up at verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And notice verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe 
leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a picture here. The angel said, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it begins to rub off on other people. That's a part of God's purpose. So she greets her cousin, and suddenly the Spirit of God, it says, filled her. Now, let me, let me play with your brains for a minute. How many let me play with, how many got a brain I could play with for just, just two minutes here, okay? It's interesting the angel Gabriel told Zechariah, he said, Zechariah, your son, John, who will be known as John the Baptist, he will be filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. When Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary, she was filled with the spirit and she began to prophesy. When Zacharias saw his son born and his tongue was loose, and he said his, or he wrote down his name will be John, and his tongue was loose, he, he was filled with the Spirit and he began to prophesy. Now, this is 30 years, 33 years before Acts chapter 2. And Scripture says these three people were filled with the Spirit, even a baby from his mother's womb. Now, why am I saying this today? I'm going to tell you something. Some of us have got this theological box, and we've got the Spirit of God in this box, and we say, well, let's, let's just keep that little box over here because I don't really understand all that. Let me tell you something. You need to open that box because you need to realize that when the Spirit of God gets involved, He moves beyond our denominational thinking. He goes begins to move beyond our ways, and He begins to do things miraculously that God sends Him to do. Open your heart to God's power and open your heart to God's possibility because God wants to get involved in your impossibilities today. That's his heart for you. Now, back in 19, about 86, I guess, I was living in, in, in a different state at the time, pastoring there in a different area. One day I was out mowing my yard, you know, got the power mower and got it cranked up, mowing the yard, going around... And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to speak to me, began to deal with my heart about some things. I didn't hear audible voices, but he just began to put things in my heart. And he said, Gary, I want you to prepare to move to Southern California, where I was raised in Southern California. Move back to Southern California. I want you to start a church. Immediately, I said, okay, I hear you, but... How, what about this and this and this? How do I do this? How about that? I don't have the money. I, this would have to happen. That would have to happen. So I start going through all the scenarios with God, and I laid it all out, and I said, I don't understand how this is going to happen. But God began to work on my heart and work on my heart and work on my heart. And finally, when I gave in and said, okay, I'm in. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to trust you. When I made that commitment, God's Spirit got involved his power began to work and things began to fall into place. One thing after another, after another, after another. But the possibilities, the power didn't come until I committed my heart to God's purposes for it. Then things began to happen. I want to encourage you today. Open your heart. Expect God's possibilities to show up in your life 
Watch God do amazing things. Then number three, the, the third and last thing. We're going to switch over to Matthew's gospel, chapter two. He's the one that records this story. But the third thing is, expect God's provision to show up in your life. It's interesting, when God calls us to something, when God drops purpose in our heart, it's always bigger than us. Because it's going to cause us to trust him to get involved. And we struggle with that because we like to be in control. But one day, as, as the Spirit of God began to work, the angel Gabriel began to prepare Joseph's heart for his part in this adventure of raising God's son as his own, and as Mary's son. And they took their journey to Bethlehem. We all know the story. Jesus was born there there was no room for him. He was born in a stable, probably. But about two years later, something around in that time frame, about two years later, this caravan of men comes rolling into town from the east. We call them wise men. Scripture calls them magi. The old Christmas carol calls them the three kings of Orient are. They probably weren't from Orient R. And by the way, if you know the song, you know the pun there. If you don't know the song, you just find out how sarcastic I really am. But they come rolling into town, and they weren't kings, but they were wise men. They watched the stars. They were very learned men. They had a heart for God. They were probably priests in their own land. And they came seeking the newborn king, and when Herod the king heard about it, he told him, go find him and come tell me because I want to worship him. But in his heart, Herod only wanted to kill this newborn king. But these men searched until finally they followed the star over the place where Jesus was. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says this. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we don't know that there were three of these men. We do know there were three kinds of gifts. There was probably a large caravan of these men because they worked together, they traveled together. So we don't know how many they were, but there were several of them. And they came and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, if you study this out, gold really talks about a gift you'd give a king. Frankincense talks about praise. Frankincense was used in the anointing oil of praise that they offered in the Old Testament. But myrrh spoke of an anointing portion that they would use when people had died and they buried them to help preserve their bodies because Jesus was born to die for our sins. So there's symbolism in this. But let me go one step beyond this. Not only was there symbolism here, we don't know how much gold, how much frankincense, how much myrrh they got. But when they left their gifts, we do know that all three of those items, very, very valuable, especially gold. 
But frankincense and myrrh was used in perfumes, extremely valuable things. And they left them there with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And then they went back home. And when Herod found out that these guys had tricked him and they left without bringing him news, he commanded that all of the male children in that part of the country be put to death. And hundreds, maybe thousands of babies were killed. But before that started, God spoke to Joseph in a dream and said, get out of this place, go to Egypt and stay there until I tell you otherwise. The Bible says immediately he got up, took Mary, baby Jesus, and they left and went to Egypt. Now think about this. From where they were to Egypt was a long, long journey. It took a while to get there. When they arrived there, they would be staying in a land that spoke a different language. Joseph was a carpenter, probably wasn't a wealthy man, probably didn't have a lot of resources. Very common trade in that day. He probably, as a young man, didn't have a lot of resources to begin with. So how is a family going to be taken care of on this long journey? Scholars tend to believe that they stayed there in Egypt for a few months at the least and possibly a year. So for all this period of time, how did Joseph manage to take care of his family? Probably gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, God provided for that family. God provided for his own son, for Joseph and for Mary as well. Until the time came that God told Joseph, Herod's dead, you can go back to Israel, but go to a different region and I'll keep you safe there. One of the things I've learned is God takes responsibility to provide for his purposes. If we accept God's will, God will pay the bill. He'll take care of us. He'll give us what we need. And God's provision tends to come from unexpected sources. See, some of us are called to receive from unexpected sources. And some of us are called to be the unexpected source that gives to fulfill God's purposes. But God's provision falls obedience to his instructions. And God's next instructions will follow obedience to his last instructions. Over and over again, we see this in the life of Joseph. I told you the story about being out mowing my yard back in 1986. Over the next year and a half or so, I began to work to plan to move from where I was to Southern California to start a church. Things began to fall into place. This happened, that happened, that happened, that happened. Everything was working out except one thing. I didn't have any money. Young man, two little boys, didn't make a lot of money. I had to sell a home. I had a little bit of equity, but I wouldn't get it for several months. There was no way financially for me to get from Cali or to California from that state. But in the middle of all this, the church there where I was pastoring, when they released me, they gave us a very sizable offering. 
which helped me get the trucks lined up to move, get everything taken care of, get out of there, get my debts in town paid, be in a position where I could leave. But it came down to the last weekend and I had no money to start a church. And I called a friend, pastor, I didn't know him well, but I'd preached for him on one occasion. And I called him up and I told him what I was going to be doing. And I said, hey, I'd love to come see you and preach for you one more time before I move. He said, come on this Sunday. Well, it was my last Sunday. And I said, great. Went and preached and it was a little country church. Mostly, to be honest, chicken farmers. In a little town of Kansas, Oklahoma. How many of you know where Kansas, Oklahoma is? Oh, we got one or two that know where Kansas, Oklahoma. Man, you, you people are special. If, you, if you're in a car and you blink, you'll miss it if you're driving through. It's that small. Little church, maybe 100 people. So I went that day and I shared what God had put in my heart. I preached my heart out. When I got finished, the pastor got up and said, Folks, God spoke to me this week and told me that we need to give this pastor our little building fund to help him go start this church. Now, that was great news to me because I'm thinking, Man, I, I got to have some money like right now because I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to California. And I thought, you know, this little church, I might get $1,000, $2,000. Wouldn't that be amazing? We went to lunch that day, and the pastor pulled out the check and handed it to me. He said, here, God told me to do this. Give me a check for $17,000. Now, I want you to listen to this. Came to California, put the money in the bank, got a place to live, got a place to start meeting as a church, bought a sound system, bought things for the children's ministry. The money saw us through for six months. And when six months were over, the church became self-dependent, paid its own bills. Let me tell you something. If you'll commit to God's purposes, and if you'll expect his power to get involved, God will provide what you need. Some of you are facing situations today. You're saying, I need God to get involved right now. Surrender your heart to his purposes. Open your heart to his possibilities and let God do amazing things in your life. I want to pray for you today. If you would, just bow your heads right there where you are. Father, I pray for every person in this room. and I, I pray three things. Number one, open up their hearts to your purposes. Let them realize you have missions, things for them to do that are bigger than they ever dreamed if they'll just open their heart to it. And Father, if they're wondering how is this going to happen, remind them that they'll open their hearts. You don't know any impossibilities. All things are possible with you. And your possibilities will begin to work, bring answers into our lives, into our needs. And third of all, Father, I pray for those who say, well, I would love to, but I don't have the funds. God, encourage them to take steps of faith in what you work because it's your will it's your bill. You'll take care. You will provide what they need, just as you did for Joseph and Mary and the family. God, we trust you today. We open our hearts. Speak to each of us now, I pray. While heads are still bowed for one more minute, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never opened your heart to God. And you've listened to this today and you've thought, wow, I wish I had a God like that on my side. You can have him in your life. It's a matter of opening your heart, and it begins with the prayer, begins with words. God put his own son on a cross to wash away your sins 
and bring you into relationship with him. He extends that kind of love and forgiveness, but he needs you to invite him in. So I want to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart around this prayer and let God begin to work in your life. Father, I come to you and I need your help. God, I need you to get involved in my life. I accept Christ as my Savior. I turn from my sin to follow you. Please be God of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. From this day forward, you will be my father and I'll be your child. I just thank you for calling me. Thank you for receiving me. I give my heart and all my life to you today. Show me the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're here in the building or if you're watching online, we want you to know that that prayer is the first step. It's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. But we want to help you on your journey. We have a gift, a little simple booklet tool we'd love to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading to get you started walking with God. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to, to, to minister to anyone and pray about any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you've got questions or you want prayer for something else, they certainly will help you there. If you're in a really big rush today, out in the lobby, as you exit right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter there. You can get the same booklet there. Just stop by and ask for it. We'd love to give it to you today. If you're watching online, instructions are on your screen as to how you can receive an electronic file of this booklet. Hey, can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Now, last thing we've already given this morning, we gave earlier. But the worship team's coming out, and they've got one more Christmas song, just a little taste of what we're going to be doing Christmas Eve. So if you would, stand to your feet, join the team, let's sing one more song together.